1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to The Metabolic Classroom, a nutrition and lifestyle podcast focused on the truth behind why we get sick and fat. What you're about to hear was taken from a live broadcast streamed on InsulinIQ.com. The Metabolic Classroom is brought to you by InsulinIQ, and by health code, meal replacement shakes. Episode 25: Decoding the Dawn Phenomenon. A spike in glucose levels each morning can be startling, but it doesn't need to be scary. To understand the Dawn Phenomenon, you need to understand hormones.
2: So, to- uh, the Dawn Phenomenon is an interesting aspect of human metabolism, and I suspect more and more people are going to be mindful of it as they are starting to use these technologies that are available like continuous glucose monitors where you know what has happened with your glucose levels every moment of every of every day it's a pretty uh fascinating thing to see and you see these in yourself whether you're diabetic or not you'll see these natu- these natural movements of glucose but what is a very consistent one is this rise of glucose towards the end of sleep. And so this happens typically beginning around three or 4 a.m. And then it'll last typically for a a few hours, maybe three to four hours. Of course, it depends on the, on the person. And it depends on other variables that I'm going to get into. Um, the first question that comes from it is why it happens. Um, that question really is I like to joke with my students when, in the, my role as a professor that why questions are divine questions. The why questions are the, the ones that leave us uh, almost philosophically wondering, why is the system designed the way it is? Or why did the human body become the way it is? You know, and so there's no actual real answer for that. We can only speculate. Scientists can answer how it happens, how something happens or what's happening, but never why. But let me be philosophical for just a moment and offer my, my philosophy on why this phenomenon occurs in so many people. It probably happens because as you are nearing the end of sleep, your body is priming itself to get up and get going. The brain is suddenly going to become much more active, um, and so brain energy use will go up on the, when you start to wake up your physically, your body, of course, your muscles, which are the big consumers of glucose, muscles consume more uh, glucose just because we have so much of it than any other tissue does. And so we're about to get up. We're going to start stretching and think about a stretch that is a very intense contraction of a muscle. And so we're going to get up, we're going to stress, we're going to start moving around. And so our metabolic needs are going to go from very low to much, much higher, um, very quickly. And so this, the dawn phenomenon could just be a way of the body saying, basically, I'm about to come online and now I need to make sure I have the energy to start doing this. And of course, glucose um, in the blood is a wonderful energy source. It is a rapidly metabolized energy source. And so no one should ever mistake blood glucose for dietary glucose. We do need glucose in the blood. We do not need glucose in the diet. We can make all we need. And in fact, that's what's happening with the dawn phenomenon. It's a result of what we're making, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. One of the interesting things with the dawn phenomenon is its history really being, I'm going to call it the dawn effect from now on, because that's too many syllables. And it sounds like I'm (laughs) about to sing a Muppet song. So with the dawn effect, we have um, something that was really noticed in diabetics. Uh, And if, if you ask an insulin treated diabetic, especially a type one diabetic, ask them if you were to eat a piece of toast for breakfast or that exact same piece of toast for dinner, when would you need more insulin? And they won't even bat an eyelash. They'll say, Oh, I need much more insulin for that exact same carbohydrate load in the morning than I would in the evening. And that's because the body has become a little insulin resistant in the morning. And that is a result of other hormones. And so now we're getting more into the the what or the how of the Dawn effect. The increased glucose that we start to see in that later um, or early morning, later sleep is a result of insulin antagonists. So insulin is so good at lowering glucose that it actually, the body needs multiple other hormones to work against it. And and so it's this little family of insulin antagonists that have nothing in common except their hatred of what insulin is trying to do. So we have hormones like epinephrine and cortisol and growth hormone and glucagon. Those are the main insulin antagonists and all of them are starting to rise during the, during this phase of the night, as they have their rhythm, now they'll have their own kind of micro cycles within this, but they all somewhat synchronize during this phase in order to help push glucose up. And again, like I said, overall, that's making insulin have to work harder. So the body does become a little insulin resistant during that time, but not pathologically. And that'll, I'll come to that more in a minute. Um, you know, the, the overall concern and whether it's justified or not. One of the studies that I've linked to, um, in fact, of the several that people can find in the notes here, one is noting that this happens in non-diabetic individuals as well. So I I presented the Don effect in the context of diabetes, because that was the most obviously, um, clinical touchstone for it, but even non-diabetics can see this. Um, so, uh, what happens is I mentioned the, the insulin antagonist hormones, but one of the studies actually blocked the other hormones. They blocked glucagon's effects. They blocked epinephrine's effects. They blocked cortisol. And they still had the effect. And so their conclusion, which actually is a fascinating article because it challenges my paradigm, which is that it's primarily a glucagon-induced effect and even cortisol, they found that growth hormone appeared to be the main driver of that glucose rise that you see as with the Dawn effect. Now, I'm not... Um, there are some experimental considerations in that study that, that I think will need to be, um, evaluated to understand this as a whole. So I'm not going to be as bold as them and say that really is just a growth hormone effect. I would rather say growth hormone may be the primary signal, but there's no question. All of those insulin antagonists are playing into it. And all of that comes to the liver because in the absence of eating glucose, If you see your blood glucose going up, it's because the liver is pushing more out. And all of those hormones induce glycogenolysis and gluconeogenesis. So the breakdown of stored glycogen, which is glucose, and the production of new glucose from any other intermediates like amino acids or lactate. Lactate is actually one of the key um, um, building blocks for the liver to use to make new glucose. We ought to talk more about lactate sometime in the future. One of the interesting things about the dawn phenomenon is that it is almost totally explored in the context of people having eaten dinner the night before. Now this is relevant because in my own experimentation, so this is anecdotal data and I have to rely on anecdote a little bit because there isn't a lot of evidence to, to go further than what I'm, what I'm, what I see in myself. I've found that if I eat a big meal, the night before, um, I, I, see a dawn effect the next morning, but there is some nuance here. If I eat, if I'm snacking on carbs, which is what I'm tempted to do every evening, generally, if I indulge in those temptations, then typically what I'll see is a messy, uh, a very kind of erratic glucose level throughout the night. And then it, um, starts to settle down and then comes up. So I'd see some form of a dawn effect when I've indulged in carbs. When I have stuck with low carb eating, but in eaten a lot, uh, if I've maybe overindulged in that where my energy load was particularly high, then my glucose doesn't really move too much over the night, but I still see a dawn effect. It's almost as if my body has such an abundance of energy that, that there's, well, whatever the reason may be, when I've overindulged in either carbs or even protein and fat, I will see some Dawn effect to some degree. And whether it's preceded by some noise depends on how much carbs I've eaten. So that's what I've seen in myself. Now, to my point, the Dawn effect that's been studied in diabetic and non-diabetics, it has always happened when they've eaten a night before. So a relatively short fast you know, maybe it's been an eight to 12 hour fast, as we typically tell people, right? When someone comes in for a, a fasting blood draw, it's always fast for eight to 12 hours. Uh, in this case, these studies do the same. They rely on that same assumption of you've, you've eaten some meal the night before. However, when we look at some of the evidence from George Cahill, who is the, the godfather of starvation or fasting science, he's this famous physiologist that I encourage anyone to look up. He did multiple day fasts in, in non diabetics and found no evidence whatsoever of the dawn effect. So, a part of me suspects that the dawn effect may be so common just because we so commonly are eating big meals in the evening um, and even indulging in snacking later in the evening. That I, I suspect that if we were to remove that, um, then more people. Uh, would not see a rise in glucose. I certainly see that in myself. If I have eaten a very modest dinner and stopped with that dinner and not snacked at all and not overindulged in the dinner itself, I do not see any hint of a Don effect. Now, that's anecdotal. So I would want everyone to know that I'm not speaking with absolute authority there, partly, again, because there's just not a lot of evidence on it. Now, okay, the, a next question would be moving on. What issues can the Don effect cause? Well, none really. Um, and that sort of reflects my overall, um, regard for the Don effect. There are no obvious side effects from the Don effect, none that I've seen in the published literature. The only obvious effect is that uh, the diabetic who's insulin dependent, like type one is going to have to take more insulin. Or if you have a type two diabetic who's been prescribed insulin, they will as well. Of course, I think there's a practical takeaway though, Um, For those of us that are metabolically minded, which is if our body is acutely insulin resistant during that state and it's having a harder time naturally controlling its glucose, why on earth would we want to make the body have to work even harder by loading the body with more glucose in the morning? So I think the Dawn effect is to some degree, a call to control carbohydrates at breakfast. And tragically, of course, that's the meal that has become the most heavy with carbohydrates, right? If that's when people are eating their bowls of crappy cereal and having several pieces of toast with jelly and, and, and bagels and orange juice, this has become, we have, we have put the worst um, foods at maybe the worst time of day in the morning. Now, what are the normal ranges there are, uh, there's no well defined normal ranges. What can happen? I've seen one study that found that people with the Don effect could go up into the mid hundreds. I would say that's probably only something that's happening with a diabetic, a type two diabetic. Um, in the average non-diabetic individual, it could be that your glucose levels get up to about a hundred, whereas they're normally, you know, squarely in the eighties or so, but that can be quite a range, depending on whether you're diabetic or not. So again, anywhere from perhaps 100 up into the mid-hundreds, 150, even 160. But then again, if you take that person who has that natural boost in glucose and then put more glucose on top of it, because that's what they eat for breakfast, you do in fact spike it even higher. Um, At what point uh, would it be a concern for someone? this is a good question that in a way I kind of have to rely on consensus data here. And that would be that if you are consistently seeing your glucose levels in the low hundreds, and I mean like into the low hundred teens or, or above that is probably a sign that you're getting into the realm of, of having diabetes. So, so pretty significant insulin resistance. Now, of course that depends on so many variables, like how well are you sleeping? Um, and, and, and so on, but, Typically, if you're getting into those, if you're getting up to 120, which is right around the, the actual diabetic cutoff, then you've got a problem and you really need to take that Don, Don effect seriously. Uh, so a next question would be, well, if I've got to take it seriously, should I medicate to treat it? Um, should I take an insulin sensitizing medication like metformin? My, no, I don't think so. Because again, I don't think the Don effect itself is so pathogenic or, or so harmful. So I don't think it's I don't think it's fruitful to try to address that one single point of metabolic health. Again, if it's consistently elevated, then you have a broader concern and you're not going to just address the dawn effect. You're going to try to address the whole thing. So no, I do not think someone should take some medication to try to blunt the dawn effect again, because I don't think it in and of itself is so pathogenic. And that kind of is the last part of it. Do I even need to worry about it? No, I don't think so. But I do think it can be a canary in the coal mine. It can be a signal um, of of something else happening in the body. Uh, And then finally, um, I would just end with this thought of of the degree to which we can control it. There's little evidence on this. It is just what I shared earlier with regards to my own experience and then relying on the very, very little bit of data from George Cahill, which is try, try experimenting a little bit. Um, uh, And perhaps even shifting your time restricted eating uh, one or two days a week to see if your social circumstances allow, eat a breakfast, eat a lunch, for example, and then don't eat. You know, typically we have that eating window to skip breakfast, which I think is perfectly fine, and then focus on lunch and dinner. But in the case of the Dawn Effect and wanting to see how real it is and how persistent it is. I think it would be worthwhile to shift that eating window to be earlier, eat breakfast, eat lunch, and then fast. I know it is socially awkward when you're sitting around the dinner table and everyone else is eating but you, but uh, I, I think it's worth experimenting um, at, least, at least a couple times to see what happens. And I would strongly suspect that Dawn effect is going to be significantly blunted. So that would be my idea on the limit to, to, how, to the degree we can control the Dawn effect. Um, But again, I don't think it's something people should worry about. It is clearly the result of uh, uh, an orchestra of hormones um, playing together uh, and antagonizing insulin in general. But I do think there's a takeaway, which is, of all the times to indulge in carbs, don't let it be
1: breakfast. Great. Great discussion. Great So
3: my question is, if... I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. So if you're, um, if you're Don effect, if having high glucose in the morning is a product of your evening meal, um, do you, are you not insulin as insulin resistant in the morning if you don't eat dinner or if you eat dinner sooner?
2: Yeah. Um, so the, uh, that that's a great question. And I can only speculate because I don't know of studies on this whole body insulin sensitivity is worse in the morning. Um, so we are more insulin resistant in the morning. I know that there are some confusing thoughts out there where other, th- other individuals who are scientifically minded in social media, like myself say the opposite. I don't know of any evidence to suggest the opposite. I only know of very well done studies in humans to clearly indicate that we are insulin resistant in the morning, but it is not, the whole, so the whole body, if we measure insulin resistance and glucose tolerance at the level of the whole body, but there are some tissues that are more insulin sensitive in the morning, like fat cells, oddly enough. And so I think the insulin resistance in the morning is more a product of the liver being insulin resistant. Um, and that then affects the whole body. Uh, but the fat cells are actually more sensitive. Um, so if someone doesn't have the Dawn effect in the morning. I would say they are probably still insulin resistant than than they would be otherwise if they were fasting for that whole period. Um, But it's just not, uh, we've not warranted such a significant anti-insulin hormone effect from like, say, growth hormone or or cortisol, epinephrine. I suspect the lack of the Don effect is going to be that those hormones are simply quieter. Hmm. Hey,
3: hey.
1: Hey, Ben, go ahead, Rich. How long does the dawn effect uh, last in the morning? Do you know? Typically? Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, yeah. It, of course, it depends on variables, but it's typically around three to four hours.
1: So it might start late in the sleep cycle uh, for most people. What yeah. four or five in the morning, and then go till yeah
2: around four. That's I typically say four, but I've I, I know that I've heard some people say three, mm-hmm. um, and I'd be I wouldn't disagree with that at all.
1: Hey Ben, for people that are. Uh, if if it's primarily glucose that we're talking about, is there anything related to ketones? That does the dawn effect? Um, do ketones change if somebody is in ketosis? Would do they do they change at the same time or with the same sort of pattern or anything? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So I would
2: think uh, I don't know of a study that has has quantified the two of those. Uh, I, what a great study idea though. Um, I would imagine that uh, ketones would take a bit of a hit, because insulin does come up uh, as well during this phase. It does not drop down. It comes up, and insulin, of course, will turn off ketogenesis, but it's clearly not enough to turn it off all the way, so I should be careful. Insulin, that rise of insulin will press the brakes a bit. Um, but the, whether it goes high enough to turn off ketogenesis entirely, I think would be unlikely in the absence of some external carbs coming in.
3: Mm. We because see if you a start eating
2: carbs, if you start eating carbs, then you will turn off those insulin antagonist hormones because they will look and say, "Well, our job, our reason for banding together was to increase the glucose. Oh, the glucose is done. We've already, it's already happened for us. Well, then we don't need to even punch our clock and come to work. We'll just stay at home."
1: Carly,
3: we see a lot of people whose ketones are lower in the morning than if they were to check them later in the day.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I I would absolutely expect that.
1: Yeah.
2: And so, 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 in fact, I think there's something valuable there where it's so easy to measure ketones in the morning because that just represents the point of longest fasting, usually. But I very much agree with that sentiment that I think there's a lot of value. In, in waiting and trying to get to the later morning. If you can, if you know someone who's fasting that long, do it then. I mean, like yeah. around noon.
1: Hey, Ben, can you go over the numbers one more time in terms of uh, at what levels are pathogenic in terms of the levels of glucose?
2: Well, th- yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and, and in fact, I want to clear, be clear in saying, uh, I don't know that there is, in fact, a, a typical level that is pathogenic for, for glucose to be considered really harmful. That's generally when you get around 200. I mean, not that it's not harmful up until that point, but if you just have this, uh, a few hour rise that gets up into the high, into the mid hundreds, I would say, well, boy, you're really getting up there. Um, and that's a reason to be worried. So if someone, I would say the moment a person's consistent glucose levels in the morning are getting around 110 and above, that's a reason to be worried that something else is going on not that you're worried about the glucose hurting you directly because a glucose in the low hundreds isn't going to hurt you, Um, then uh, it's really just more that it's reflective of an overall trend in the wrong direction.
1: Now, Ben, this may be a completely uh, weird question, but do type 1 diabetics also, are they impacted by the Don effect? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, very much. In uh, in fact, uh, what what I've mentioned in my little spiel at the very beginning if you ask a diabetic, now the, uh, the type one diabetic is of course, very, very, uh, interesting in this regard because they have zero insulin in the absence of injecting it. And they actually have very high levels of glucagon. And so I suspect in the type one diabetic that despite what I said earlier, which is growth hormone appears to be the main driver. I wouldn't be surprised if in the type one diabetic glucagon is playing a more prominent role because they are almost always hyper They are almost always experiencing high levels of glucagon, which are constantly trying to push the glucose up. And then insulin has to be injected to try to push the glucose down. Um, so yes, uh, a type one diabetic will, will be the one who probably notices the overall changes in metabolic function more than anyone else, just because they're going to have to inject, you know, maybe double the amount of insulin they would need if they ate that exact same meal later in the day.
3: I had two other quick questions. Yeah, Hopefully they're good. quick. So first of all, um, one of the phenomenons that I see some people have is they'll have higher glucose in the morning and then they'll eat and then their glucose will be lower. Um, is that a different phenomenon going on where food, actually the process of eating something low carb can bring your glucose down.
2: Yeah. I suspect if it's, it's just that they're getting an insulin response to what they're yeah. eating. Um, and, and that's, uh, you know, paradoxically, actually just improving the glucose.
3: Yeah. Okay. And then the other thing, I feel like I've heard you say that you become more in, insulin resistant as the day goes on and to be careful with your, you know, with your evening meal because of that. But I feel like you're saying no, the I've opposite. No, I've not said that, that but I, okay. I
2: know people, who, I know people that do. I, in fact, I think I've heard Jason Fung say that and I have Maybe nothing but affection it. and and great respect for Jason Um, And that would be, I think, a point where he and I would simply just disagree. Uh, The the evidence, like when I'm saying what I'm saying, it's because there is uh, a human study that uses the uh, hyperglycemic or or, um, hyperinsulinemic euglycemic clamp. This is a a study where they basically push your insulin levels up by infusing insulin. And then they see how much glucose do we need um, in order, how is the body responding to this insulin, this elevated insulin, and how much glucose do we need to put in to keep the glucose normal in the midst of this elevated insulin. And in the morning, we need um, much less glucose than if you do that exact same study. So basically, the body isn't responding to that high insulin as well in the morning as it is later in the day.
3: Okay. So that's, that's a, a little debated topic, I guess, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when, I, when I don't think it's
2: days. debated, but um, I don't think it should be debated. Uh, okay. But, because the evidence seems clear to me. But I, I do think some of the conflict might be that sometimes someone looks at a cell-based study or a tissue study and then extrapolates that to the whole body. Um, and I just I try to distinguish the two and say, well, the liver is more insulin resistant in the morning. The whole body is more resistant to insulin in the morning. But fat cells are more insulin sensitive. Other tissues may fall on one side of that or the other as well. But the body does appear to be with the, with the hyperinsulinemic euglycemic clamp, which is considered the gold standard for measuring insulin resistance, it appears to be more insulin resistant in the morning.
3: Okay, good to know.
1: Hey, a couple questions uh, coming, coming in on this uh, topic. Let's, let's take a couple of them from Lacey. My blood glucose takes hours to lower after I wake. Around midnight, it rises into the 110s, then slowly lowers, after I wake, not returning to the 80s until 2 to 4 p.m., dawn phenomenon cannot last this long, right?
2: Uh, Well, I wouldn't say it cannot. Uh, It it is such a danger to try to create a consensus on what's normal in the body. Uh, So I would say it probably can last that long.
1: Uh, from Janet, I have uh, blood sugar at 180 down to 100 by 4 p.m. Uh, what can I do about this? Is it the dawn effect? I've been low carb and one meal a day for a year. Um,
2: yeah, I, I, wish, I, I, wish, I wish we knew more about the dawn effect and, and just how long and extensive it can be in some people. So I, I can only say yes, it might be that you have just a bigger, longer dawn effect which does happen in diabetics, there's no question, um, but how much longer and how much bigger, I just don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I also can't help but wonder what are you eating for your one meal a day and when are you eating it? I do worry um, sometimes when I see people adopting one meal a day. Uh, I know when I do it, it is hard to control my appetite um, in that evening meal. Uh, I, I very, very often overeat. And then I snack, it ends up being kind of a big long meal because I eat the meal and I'm snacking for a little while after it. Um, And and I don't sleep as well when I do it like that. So when I have, for me, when I can and I do a one meal a day, I actually have started doing it for breakfast. Um, And then I just try to mitigate the awkwardness with the family or I'll just tell my kids that daddy's fasting today, um, which is something that I do religiously from time to time anyway. So it's not that shocking, but I very much control myself better and sleep much better when I do my one meal a day earlier in the day. But I think most people just do it at dinner because it's so much more convenient. So in, 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 in your case, where it is bigger and longer, I, I can't help but um, say you probably just need to change the way you're doing it. And that will very likely help, but not remove it, not remove that big dawn effect, but I bet it would help.
1: Thank you for listening to The Metabolic Classroom. This podcast is brought to you by Insulin IQ, nutrition and lifestyle coaching for insulin control and better health. Learn more at InsulinIQ.com. And by Health Code, the world's healthiest and most delicious meal replacement shake. Learn more at GetHealth, that's G-E-T-H-L-T-H.com. Find us on Facebook and YouTube